The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a good football show. It is week five. In my head is apparently week one. Sorry if you were watching on YouTube. We are late because I began the podcast in the wrong room. But my name is Patrick Darty. I am joined today by Mr. Denny Carter. We will be taking a spin through all the week's biggest headlines, including David Montgomery's knee injury, Urban Meyer's ill-fated trip home to Ohio, and Ben Roethlisberger's continued descent into madness. We will then be joined by Kyle Dvorak, where we will discuss some of the changes Kyle has had to make to his rest-of-season rankings and NBC Sports Edge's season pass tool. But, Denny, you know, you and I are already kind of having a therapy session about this in the wrong chat room, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to make sure just everyone I know, uh, everyone I care about, which very much includes you, is okay after what happened on Monday Night Football last night and Darren Waller spiking the football after his big catch in the first half. And, you know, the refs need to be commended. They kept the game in control. They penalized Darren Waller 15 yards. That doesn't change right. what my kids saw. And why My daughter couldn't even go to kindergarten today, so he was so shaken by the taunting. And I just want to make sure you and your family are okay. I mean, it's one of those things where you don't really know how to explain it to your kids. You know, <laughs> No one prepares you as a parent for having to explain why Darren Waller sort of kind of spiked the ball, maybe kind of <laughs> set it down mostly on the sideline. Um Funniest thing about that is, is is that the Chargers defenders didn't even notice. No, <laughs> they didn't. They didn't. There were two guys, <laughs> two guys who kind of escorted Waller out of bounds. He did the the thing, and they walked away. You know, completely, uh, you know, unaware of what happened. Uh, my my wife was watching the game with me, and she she saw what happened. She saw the flag. She goes, "What what's the flag for?" I said, "For for taunting." She goes, you didn't see what he did? Because there's there's no there was no taunting. He he just he just spiked the ball after the play. I thought it was because Darren Waller, you know, seemed to have turned his ankle. I thought he was aggravated, mad about injuring himself. I couldn't even tell if he was if he was happy or or furious about it. It's, it was the most ludicrous call. No, and just like we're preaching to the choir, I'm assuming here on our, our podcast, but I I just don't know what 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 is the purpose of this? Like, who does this serve? Is anyone watching the football game and wanting for 15 yards of offense to be removed because some guy spiked a football in a football game? Right. Um, now, if, if a guy spikes the ball in a dude's face. Yeah. I mean, that's untoward. That's untoward. Yeah. I, I can see there being an argument for saying, no, you can't do that. That's a penalty. You're going back 15 yards. I, I kind of get that. I think that's justifiable at least. Right. But you know, robot, uh, I'm sorry, robots, refs shouldn't act like robots. Like you can 
you know, uh, exercise some subjectivity in the way that you call these taunting penalties. Like, 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 see the situation, see the Chargers defenders walking back to the huddle before the before you know uh, anything even happens, and say, oh wait, no, no, they they were not taunted. Now, in general, to taunt someone, I feel like you usually have to be looking at them. I mean, yeah. there are there are instances where you cannot be looking at them, and you might say a few magic words or something, but. Yeah, he was, he was just like staring off into space. I think it was seemingly because he had tweaked his ankle. You know, it was, just, it was like their first positive yardage of like the whole game. He was, was just fired up a little bit and instead. But, you know, I, I don't know why I'm taking this. I, I, I fully agree with the penalty still. Um, I want someone from the NFL to come to my house and explain to my kids uh, why this is going to be seared in their brains for the rest of their life. Uh, a moment they will not soon forget. It was a national trauma. It was. It was. There was a national trauma that... Uh, let's be dropping the sarcasm. It was a national trauma that the penalty was called. Yeah, that's and we true. really, really need to get these penalties back out of the game. Uh, time to hit up the news where, as always, the topics are the 49ers and their chaos, uh, the Bears and their chaos, Ben Roethlisberger and his chaos, maybe Robert Woods and his chaos. But we're going to begin the only place we can, Denny, Jacksonville. Uh, Urban Meyer was so gutted by losing to the Bengals on Thursday night football that he was practically like in tears in his post game press conference. Like it seemed like he had just lost like the college football, like semifinal game to Clemson. Like he was so shaken to his core. Uh, And then he skipped the team flight and went partying and went viral. Uh, So it was hard to believe exactly uh, what is genuine and what is fake with urban Meyer. And I think this players are having the same problem reports on Tuesday that He's already essentially already lost the locker room, uh, yeah. an event that was kind of 10 months in the making. Do you think there's any way Urban is back with the Jags in 2022? And does he even finish this season on the sideline in Jacksonville? I mean, honestly, it's an upset that as we're talking, he's still the head coach uh, of the Jags. I don't think he gets through this season. I, I think I, I do think you know, uh, Jaguars owner Shad Khan released a statement basically saying that Urban Meyer must regain the trust and respect of the organization. It's too late. It's too late. Yeah. You can't, you can't regain that. Uh, players are laughing at Urban Meyer in the locker room. They are literally yeah. laughing according to a report from NFL Network's Mike Silver. Yeah. They no, were quite I mean, literally lolling as soon as he left yeah. his position meetings uh, this and, morning. And according to Mike Silver, Urban Meyer knew they were laughing. Yeah. Oh. That's oh, bad. Awkward is that. <laughs> I mean, I was cringing when I was reading that silver report. And and, and let, let's let's go back just a little bit and, and remember that in July and August, players, professionals were not happy about the way Urban Meyer and his staff were conducting training camp and practices, off-season practices, because again, they're professionals, they're not college kids. Go back a little further, they were they were furious. The players, some players were furious that he hired. A, a controversial uh, uh, wait. Um, put it mildly, they hired a hired a genuinely deservingly canceled uh, strength and conditioning coach, right. and it's like thought that no one would notice, including like his grown men players. Like, yeah, he thought it was at like college, but they just have to accept that he's hiring this guy that no one liked and was justifiably fired from his last job, and they did not accept that. So right, and 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 uh, I I would argue that you know the the the, the trust. And everything had already eroded uh, before this incident. This is just the cherry on top. So, no, I don't think that he's going to get through this season. Yeah, this was kind of the classic, the last thing he could afford uh, was this incident. And 
it's just crazy because I mean, Urban Meyer, I've used this line a lot since he was hired. I mean, he is one of the greatest football coaches in American history. Like he's a football genius. Like he went everywhere. He made Utah. Like he got Utah into the Pac-12, essentially. He was such a good coach at Utah. Uh, he instantly won a national championship of Florida, instantly won a national championship with Ohio State. Like he is a gifted football mind. But like, unlike Nick Saban, unlike Bill Belichick, who, you know, I'm sure are egomaniacs too, like they still like they subsume that to like winning. Like they will just do anything it takes to win, you know, often to a fault. And Urban, on the other, it seems like he lets his ego just get the best of him and didn't make like the necessary ju- he was apparently doing things in, like Jaguars training camp that like they never do at NFL training camps, like having like weird competitions. Yeah. Where they uh, like people were on like megaphones yelling out like the winners of drills and stuff like stuff that like grown men like what the hell like, yeah exactly uh, <laughs> yeah no they, they didn't even know what was happening I mean, what what is this I'm 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 27 years old I'm in the league for five years and I have to deal with this uh, you know <laughs> this trickles down obviously to the team uh, I, I I would say I know you know since we're you know presumably on here to talk about fantasy yeah uh, I I would I would say that the best thing that can happen for Trevor Lawrence and all the skill position players on the Jags is for Urban Meyer to, to step down and to kind of clear that toxicity and go forward <laughs> um, after, you know, post urban. I think that that would be better than the current situation, which is just incredibly uncomfortable. I will say uh, <laughs> not at all keeping with the tone of your comments. I think the Jaguars will beat the Titans this weekend <laughs> and urban I mean, this is like Urban, this guy's coaching like five national championship games, but this is like the biggest game of his life. And he is not going to be losing to the Tennessee Titans this no, Sunday. There's zero yeah. chance I'm saying the Titans dominate from <laughs> We I'm going to have to maybe make some bets on this one because yeah. I think the Jags will be winning. And then he'll be riding off into the sunset. One and four, he'll resign, you know, storybook ending. On his uh, players' shoulders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Storybook ending to his Jaguars uh, tenure. Not having a storybook ending is Ben Roethlisberger. He is racing Urban Meyer to the door. He's failed to clear six yards per attempt in three of his four starts this season. He's cleared that number twice in 10 games going back to 2020. He has four touchdowns in four games this season. He's calling out the offensive coordinator. He's calling out Najee Harris. Like Ben, you know, Ben, it's never been Ben's fault like his entire career. That's always been a theme. After the game Sunday, he was telling – He's like, he said he told Najee Harris, you know, you're a big, he told him to be scary. He told him to be physical. He was basically telling Najee Harris he wasn't tough enough. So clearly the Steelers one and three start is Najee Harris's fault. I think everyone agrees on that. Um, that. That is a joke. And just like Urban, is there any chance Ben Roethlisberger makes it 17 games as the Steelers starter this year, Denny? At some point, the team will have lost enough, enough games where, it's no longer tenable for him to start. And it's just kind of embarrassing for everybody. So I, I think we are going to see some Dwayne Haskins at some point this year. I know that doesn't really, you know, it's not, it's not great. It's not great for anyone. Uh, but, you know, Mike, Mike Tomlin said today on, on Tuesday that, you know, Ben is our starter. He, he said everything you would expect. I should say Roethlisberger is now dealing with a hip issue per oh Tomlin. This is after he injured his pec against the Raiders a couple uh, weeks ago. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I will say that the one upside of the Steelers being so awful is that they're <laughs> they're passing a lot. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm you trying. always have the upside in the, uh, the horrible situation. Listen, I'm trying hard here. Here's here's my effort. Here's here's my attempt to spin this positively. 
the Steelers have attempted 170 passes through four weeks. It's the second highest total in the league. You know, that should be enough to, to kind of buoy uh, the, the receivers, you know, specifically Deontay Johnson. Um, I do want to I do want to just just give just to take a moment to recognize how terrible Roethlisberger has been. Roethlisberger has been <laughs> on deep throws, which is just just horrendous for Chase Claypool. Uh, on deep passes, meaning 20 yards and up, Roethlisberger is 5 of 18 for 197 yards. What? Not good. <laughs> five? Uh, I mean, those are lower percentage passes, but that is not good. And yeah. like you said, the bright side, at least there isn't a vi- – Deontay Johnson returned with a knee injury, immediately had 13 targets against the Packers. So there's at least no mystery about – there's going to be pass attempts. No mystery is going to lead in – targets and Deontay Johnson but whereas last year he kind of kept things afloat with all three receivers Deontay Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool it seems like his arm is geared down like another gear this year and that's not going to really be possible and you said Dwayne Haskins I mean Dwayne Haskins would be the unknown upside option but I think at some point Mason Rudolph probably will make starts and yeah probably he's really bad but he's good enough to keep Deontay Johnson in the top 20 probably he's good enough to keep Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster probably in the top 36 like their receivers obviously the quarterback matters so much their receivers are good enough to probably be in the top 36 as long as they're getting anything other than like bottom five quarterback play and Ben has been bottom five and I mean Mason Rudolph will probably be bottom five too I guess but just He's going to at least average like six or seven yards per attempt. He's going to at least complete some passes down the field, at least take some pressure off Najee Harris. And, you know, I, I wrote in my article on Monday, like there's nothing football media, myself included, loves to do than declare Hall of Famers done before yeah. like they actually are. But it's it's it just seems like abundantly clear that this is over and there's no way he starts 17 games. Right. I mean, the Steelers are way closer to a total rebuild than they are to a, a playoff hunt. Uh, they are. Honestly, was that not clear at the end of last year? No, it's true. It's true. Like, last year was like the kind of had the feeling of a last hurrah, like the defense putting the team on its back, yeah. um, winning a lot of games they shouldn't have, and then losing. You know, finally, like, it was a classic, like, the bottom fell out. <laughs> they were 11. They were 11-0. and 0, Finished 12 and four, I believe. Um, it was clear that it was in the Steelers. That's the thing that's so weird. It's not just the media like proclaiming Big Ben dead. Like the Steelers made him take a pay cut. They right. made him sign a contract that voids after 2021. You don't do that to a franchise icon if you think they still have something left in the tank. Like they're basically just hoping and praying he was good enough mm-hmm. that he could fix it somehow. And he could not. It, it just, just as an aside, I know, you know, no one wants to go out crying on the sideline after getting trounced by the Browns in the playoffs. I get that. But Dan Marino did it. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, okay. 63 to 7, Marino, I believe. Marino, the, the Dolphins were, were just creamed by the Jags. The Urban the, Myers Jaguars. In yeah. the second round. <laughs> in the second round in like 99. And Marino could have come back. There was, there was, you know, scuttlebutt about that. And he didn't. He did the right thing. He had completely exhausted his his time in the NFL. Roethlisberger should have done that, and now we're seeing what happens when when you come back from that. Yeah, he hit on eighteen, and uh, the house oh. has won. The house yeah. has won, Denny. Uh, excellent 49ers reporter Tim Kawakami said nobody was ready for Trey Lance to be the 49ers' starter, uh, Denny. 
Yeah. Kyle Shanahan coolly called Trey Lance a number two quarterback on Sunday. It wasn't saying like anything positive about Trey Lance. Uh, we think Trey Lance is going to start this week against the Cardinals as Jimmy Garoppolo battles a calf injury. But seeing like this, the way the team is apparently unprepared, seemingly upset that he's the starter. Can we trust Trey Lance as a streamer against the Cardinals or is he going to be like in the Justin Fields zone and it's just too risky right now? Trey Lance played like garbage against Arizona and he still scored 20 fantasy points in one half. So we're, we're, we're going to say, we're going to say that, that, that Trey Lance is a, an extremely solid streamer. I would say a must start in 12 team formats because of the rushing upside. Forget, forget what Shanahan says. And yeah, I mean, Shanahan is pissed right now. I mean, he's very he, mad. He's been on tilt all he's just tilting out of his mind yeah, this he, entire he, season. The last thing he wants to do is, is not have Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, quarterbacking his offense for some reason. So, you know, ignore that. And you know what? We're not going to know that Lance is starting for sure, probably for another few, you know, a few more days. But but ignore all that noise. Shanahan's going to say, well, Jimmy has a shot. He has a shot. He's doing better. He's walking. You know, his leg didn't fall. <laughs> and, and, uh, but just ignore that. He's going to start this week. It's an amazing fantasy environment uh, against against Arizona. So I'm sorry. They're playing Arizona this week. They're they play. playing the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, they, they played the Seahawks. I, I said Arizona earlier. I'm sorry. He played terribly. Lance played terribly against the Seahawks. Still scored 20 points. So we're we're good. Well, there was a busted coverage, Denny. Those everyone knows. Those are uh, <laughs> sticky. Uh, well, those are I know, but but it's funny though that uh, that's being taken away from both Debo Samuel and Trey Lance. They're saying. Yeah, I see people on, on Twitter saying, no, you can't count that. You can't count it. it it's a 75 yard touchdown. It does. I mean, busted coverages do happen every game. They don't usually result in 75 yard touchdowns. But yeah, you can't hold that against them. See, I, Trey Lance, even though Kyle Shanahan has tilted out of his gourd about this, uh, he's not going to be in the field zone. We know that because Kyle Shanahan loves to run. He was drafted to be a dual threat. Who knows why the Bears drafted Justin Fields? Uh, that seems to be a mystery at this point. But we don't have to worry about there not being rushing attempts for Trey Lance. And so even if he's raw, even if the Niners don't think he's ready, he is squarely in the streamer mix. And I'll just ask you, if you will you start Trey Lance against the Cardinals over Kirk Cousins against the Lions, Denny? Wow, that's tough because, yeah, the, the Cousins matchup is incredible. Uh, just really good. The Lions lost their best edge rusher this week for the year. Oh, man. Uh yeah, I'm starting Lance. Would you start Lance over Daniel Jones and Dallas? Yes. Lance over Ryan Tannehill against Urban Meyer, the biggest game of Urban Meyer's life. Yes. Um, all right, I think we've established a lot. I think Trey Lance, he'll be anywhere from like that QB 10 to 20 range. I think Trey Lance rankings will be all over the map. I think I'll probably settle in around QB 15 or 16, which sounds like it might be a little lower than you. But like the upside is truly tangible there. I, I get to Trey Lance. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Well, you know, it's week five. We're already kind of like, and we need like something new syndrome time. Like I'm tired of all these players. It's been four weeks. I mean, I need something new. <laughs> let's get some new players. Yeah, let's get some new guy. Yeah. Come on. Introduce some new cast members here. NFL. Uh, the bears are unfortunately introducing a new cast member this week. The backfield has been upended by David Montgomery's injury. Demont nation. He's out four to five weeks. Denny, is this finally the time for Damian Williams, who is 29 years old and has never had 20 carries in a game? Are, are we going 
to the Damian Williams well here. Yes. I mean, I, I don't think it's too controversial to say that he's going to lead the backfield. Now, is he going to see 20 carries? No, I don't think so. I think Cleo Herbert will be mixed in enough uh, with Montgomery out that, that, you know, Damian Williams is going to see, I don't know, 12 to 15 carries, but Damian Williams is really good in the past game and always has been. And I he think, that, I think, you know, in PPR formats, I think that means a lot going forward for a bears team that, is not going to see a lot of positive game script. They're going to be playing from behind a lot. We're talking about a month or more for Montgomery, you know, Montgomery yeah. being sidelined. So, um, you know, I, I think lower your expectations a little, if you think Montgomery is going to step in and just take all of that Montgomery work, that's not, that's not going to happen. Um, but he should be very serviceable. And honestly, uh, Khalil Herbert sh- should also be rostered in, in, you know, most 12 and definitely 14 team leagues because, he would be the next guy up if anything happens to Williams, who again didn't play last year, um, and is 29 and has never had kind of a massive workhorse lo- uh, workload. Yeah, he's always been a part-time player. He's going to be, I think, 15 to 18 touches, maybe even 20 touches. You can count, which is a huge workload. I, I think he is a plug-and-play RB two. It's a Raiders defense that's allowing almost five yards per carry, but yeah, it is a situation. Just make sure you don't get too out over your skis. Basically, he's worth. Pretty big fab bids. I don't actually know what John Daigle recommended. Check out John Daigle's waiver-wired article and podcast on what you should be bidding on Damian Williams. But, I mean, over a month for David Montgomery, that might as well be like a century in fantasy football. Like, it's worth a big-time bid on Damian Williams, who he's not going to be an RB1 because I don't think he can get there to those touches. You know, this is a bad offense, too. But 15 to 18 is realistic. That's legit RB2 usage. And this week, especially against the Raiders, very soft run defense. So you can be excited about Damian Williams. But also, like you said, while Damian Williams is chewing up huge fab bids, um, get one for free on Khalil Herbert. And my, uh, producer Adam Wise informs that Daigle is recommending 40 to 50% of your fab for Damian Williams. And that sounds right. I would probably start about 33%. And that's just not going to get it done in all leagues. So if you really need a running back, 40 to 50, I think, is where you should be. Yeah. Right. If you if you need a running back, like if if you're desperate, like I am in, in uh, every single league possible, then um, you need to be ultra aggressive on Damian Williams. You week. do. And w- w- coming up, folks. By the way, we've got Kyle Dvorak. He's waiting in the bullpen. I'm going to keep him there, suffering as we talk through a few more news topics. But he will be joining us to discuss rest of season rankings in a minute. Denny, you wanted to talk about the Seahawks backfield. Yeah. And this is a this is a real interesting situation. Chris Carson has been struggling. Um, I've scaled back his passing game involvement to almost nothing. The athletics, Michael Sean Duggar thinks Alex Collins could be in for a bigger role this week. I think Alex Collins had 10 carries about the 49ers. Just what's your view? What's your take on the Seahawks backfield right now? Yeah. So, um, Michael Sean Duggar said, you know, could Collins take on a bigger role, more consistent role in the Seattle backfield? Yes, but he doesn't think it's, you know, he doesn't think it's likely going forward because, the Seahawks, you know, deal with a, a hot hand approach. Uh, the, the running backs coach for Seattle is, uh, per the, this athletic report, is in charge of the running back rotation during the game. Uh, he said he's going to stick with who's hot. Pete that Carroll's was- not in charge. It's uh, is he, They're giving Pete Carroll plausible deniability. Pete's been around the block once or twice. That's the running back coach. I mean, <laughs> he says Alex Kyle. I, mean, I can't do anything about it. I haven't been a coach for 40 years. Um, probably it's it's probably good for, for yeah, it probably for, is. <laughs> uh, 
anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, unless Chris Carson really struggles going forward, I don't think we're going to see necessarily more Collins. Apparently, Chris Carson needed to be spelled a little bit. It was unclear if that was because of injury or be just because of, uh, you know, he was he was tired against the Niners. That's why Alex Collins got 10 carries, uh, 44 yards, scored a touchdown. Uh, you know, it's not the most welcome news for Chris Carson drafters, but I, I'm not I'm not too worried, honestly. Like, is he going to be a, like a super high upside play? No, of course not. But you didn't think that when you drafted him anyway. Um, Collins should be rostered in pretty much almost. I don't know. I can't think of a 12 team format where you wouldn't want to roster him, especially if you're if you're running back needy at the moment. But a Collins is not startable. And, and B, I think is, as long as Carson is okay, he's he's going to see uh, a big workload. Now, I was looking before the show. Um, it looks like uh, Carson has still has a 32% uh, total opportunity share, meaning targets plus carries. That's the ninth highest rate in the entire league. So, um, you know, I'm not too worried. Yeah, basically any time a running back gets 10 to 12 touches when the, when the other guy's not injured – like Alex Collins mixing a new game for 10 to 12. You, you have to take notice of that in the 12 team league. You basically, it's like an auto ad. Even you said you can't start. It's just Chris Carson has six total catches through four games. He caught 37 balls a year ago, which, you know, not amazing, but he was catching three to four passes a game. And now he's catching fewer than two. Yeah. That's like a big problem. And maybe it's just the whole Seahawks passing volume is so down again to begin the season, but that's a real problem for Chris Carson. And, even if Alex Collins isn't mixing in for like 10 to 12 weekly touch, Chris Carson's kind of like becoming like a low end RB two. Like he started the year with like high end RB two benefit of the doubt. And he feels like a low end RB two now, doesn't he Denny? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's fair. Uh, but you know, he's going to see all the goal line touches and that's, that's worth something. Is anything worth anything Denny with Robert Woods? Uh, you kind of actually talked me off of the Robert Woods ledge on Monday morning. You dug up some stats. I ordered some stats from you <laughs> while I was writing my article and you did find some good Robert Woods stats. I mean, so insane. They're playing with a two to three score deficit and he had two targets entering the fourth quarter against the Cardinals in week four. I mean, really just inexplicable, but Sean McVay has vowed to get him more involved and you still, what do you see in the underlying data with Robert Woods? It's not all bad. And and trust me, I'm, you know, for the past three weeks, I've been looking for reasons to write him off completely as a fantasy option. But he has a 20% target share through week four. That's only behind Cooper Cup's incredible 35% target share. Um, he, Woods has a 9.3 air yards per target, which is way up over his golf era air yards per ta- target. And uh, he's running 30 and a half routes per game, which is second only to Cups 34 routes per game with the Rams. So, uh, you know, it could be worse. It could be, is he, is he commanding targets? No, he's not like, he's not, uh, it's, it's Van Jefferson downfield. It's actually uh, a split, you know, it's either Jackson, Deshaun Jackson or Van Jefferson downfield. And then Cooper cup gets everything else. I, I, I do think there's a little bit of a squeaky wheel situation going on. You know, that's, that's tough to quantify. I get it. <laughs> it's hard to go with that. Um, but I'm not, I'm not giving up on Woods quite yet. Yeah. And just, I mean, it's just also the common sense perspective there too. I mean, like they need, they need him more involved. They can't have Cooper cup be the only weapon. Uh, like right, He's better than Van Jefferson, even though um, if he's not a deep threat and he's better than Deshaun Jackson. Uh, they finally, you know, the Rams maybe thought they were like indestructible after those first three games. 
that has very much shown what happens to them if you take away Cooper Cup. It just stands to reason, just beyond like the underlying metrics, like you said, that common sense dictates Robert Woods is going to have to be more involved. And even though you're panicking, even though you're crying, please keep <laughs> Robert Woods ready. And he's still going to be a low-end wide receiver three this week. He's still a top 36 wide receiver for week four or for week five, excuse me. We will be back with Kyle Dvorak after a short break. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Get an edge in your fantasy league with player rankings, projections, tiers, and alerts for players on your team or who you are eyeing up on the waiver wire by signing up for NBC Sports Edge Plus and do it at a discount. Use the promo code GOOD10 for 10% off your annual subscription. That is GOOD10 for 10% off at NBCSportsEdge.com slash win. Denny, uh, have you ever you ever heard of Kyle Dvorak? Um, it's time to welcome in our friend, our colleague, our Zoomer, yes. uh, to discuss the rest of season rankings and you know how it's now obvious the Cooper Cup, Mike Williams, two of the best players in the entire league. Uh, Kyle, how are we doing? And just making sure, too, that – I mean, I know you're you're younger than us. I would make sure that you weren't affected by what you saw with Darren Waller last night and that traumatizing penalty. And just want to make sure you're okay. And maybe you know, take a moment to thank the league for penalizing that play and just trying to get that out of our game. Uh, I have no clue. I wasn't even watching that game last night. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, the thing is, like, if if it's not in my spreadsheets or if it's not a game I'm actively blurbing. I don't know. It's probably like a game I went apple picking for or something, you know. It's, uh, well, that, that was a test. I was just making sure that you never watch the games. Um, yeah, yeah. We don't, I would, would want to watch the games. Yeah. We don't want the guy. We don't want the numbers guys here at NBC to watch the games. So that's you don't very, want to poison the well. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. very, very good to hear. And so you, you missed something that would have scarred you for life. What um, happened? Like literally, what happened? I don't. I truly don't know. I wasn't even on Twitter for. I don't think uh, at all. Darren Waller spiked the football. Uh, it was a big deal uh, after a catch. Ah. No, I mean, no, we we're going far too down the sarcasm well about a horrendous penalty being called on Darren Waller for taunting. That wasn't taunting at all. He's like spiked the ball and like Kyle, ran away and everyone was baffled. Kyle, you, you weren't online? What, is that, what does that mean? What is that like? Uh, so it was strange. I actually, um, I saw another human in the, the IRL world, in the oh, real active right. physical touchy world. Man. Um, it was scary. It was probably scarier than watching a player spike a football, to yeah. be honest. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think I'll really, you know, venture out beyond what you can see if you're watching live this small room, maybe ever again. 
<laughs> That's good. Be safe. Be yeah, safe. We have to be safe at the, during these tying, trying times for sure. So Kyle, we're roughly – the NFL has ruined symmetry with the 17-game schedule, so I can't say we're a quarter into the season. Mm-hmm. But functionally, we're a quarter into the season, four of 17 games. It is time – we joke about all the time, but like we have been adjusting the ranks. Like it is time to adjust priors for like we have more than enough data now like to either confirm or deny things we thought we knew in the summer. And just take us through at the, at the beginning, who have been some of the biggest risers in our rest of season top 200 and our season pass rankings? Yeah, I mean, that shouldn't be awfully surprising. I'm sure you guys have talked about them. I was backstage, so I know we actually talked about some of them. Debo, Cooper, it's a lot of receivers, Debo, Cooper Cup, Mike Williams, and then the DeAndre Swift scare that, you know, both DeAndre Swift and Miles Sanders, their ADP just kept falling and falling and falling throughout the summer, and they have completely diverged, right? One of them, DeAndre Swift, even if he is probably still splitting the backfield, much like Miles Sanders is, one of them is getting just a ton of receiving work, a ton of goal, like red zone goal line type of work, and the offense is funneled through him and maybe one other player, whereas Miles Sanders uh, may be seeing like a similar split of the backfield work between him and Gainwell versus uh, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. But the team does not want to use their running backs almost at all because they have this machine in Jalen Hurts at putting up yards and making them one of the better yards per play teams in the NFL. So they have completely gone in different directions. If we're talking about fallers in a minute, you can just throw Sanders in that group. Swift, though, it seems him and Jamar Chase, right, were like big uh, just narrative concerns, or at least the, the narrative kind of got out ahead of itself throughout the summer, and they both seem to fall a lot, and both of them are just like, uh, we should have held strong with both of them, that Swift is an incredible talent, an incredible pass catcher, and I guess those two things also apply for Jamar Chase. Benny, I'll ask you about Swift, because it seemed like after three weeks, Swift had finally, like, it was kind of like he was a top 12 running back heading into week four. Like, the usage had been good enough, even if, like, somewhat volatile that it was seemed good enough, like, all right, we can stop worrying about DeAndre Swift. And then he just totally stink bombs against the yeah. Bears. Eight carries, 16 yards, only gets four catches, doesn't score a touchdown. Are you comfortable calling DeAndre Swift like a rest of season RB1 top 12 player? Or does he still need to be hedged, like kind of like that RB like 16 to 22 range? It's really hard to like, you know, catapult a player into that territory after what we saw last week where – you know, Jamal Williams starts the game, which usually doesn't mean much, but it, it, it turned out to mean something. Jamal Williams saw 14 carries, 66 yards, um, you know, six more carries than, than Swift. Now, you know, no one is projecting Jamal Williams to completely fade out of the picture in the Detroit backfield, but a little bit of scaling back on Jamal and a little bit of moving forward with uh, DeAndre Swift as the primary ball handler in that backfield would be nice to see, you know, especially after uh, uh, head coach Dan Campbell said last week, you know, we're, we're I something to uh, along the lines of we're going to get the ball to DeAndre Swift. He's going to be uh, our focus going forward. We didn't see it. We didn't see it. So no. I, I'm, I'm not ready to throw him into that. You know, what did you say? Top 12? Top I wouldn't 12, have, RB1. No, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I can't do that. I just feel like with DeAndre Swift, we kind of have to accept that he's going to be like in the Eckler zone uh, with maybe like a slightly lower pass catching floor and that there's going to be weeks where for whatever reason, the game flow like haywires for him a little bit. And he's just not going to get, the, get home with the touches, but that more weeks than not, he is going to get home. He's getting such high value touches that he probably top 12 feels like kind of like the outer limits for me, but I do, I feel like top 12 to 14 for Deandre Swift 
will be like where he settles in. And I agree with Kyle from making him one of the biggest risers. And Kyle, you mentioned Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, Mike Williams, the three most obvious risers, probably at any position. Like the guy basically hitting you over the head with a two by four. Like you need to like adjust your priors on us. Of Debo, Cup, and Mike Williams, like who are you most confident will remain like an every week wide receiver one the final three fourths of the season? Uh, probably, I, mean, I think it has to be Cooper Cup. He was a player, like, uh, as we'll get to, I'm, I mean, I'm literally doing before this show and after the show, I am adjusting the ranks as we <laughs> speak. Like, this is, I'm using this time to lab out, like, especially the first round is something I'm thinking about. And Cooper Cup, like, uh, you know, the first round is in the top 12 picks, or if you were to redo a draft right now, he's right there. Like, he is, I still have him below, like, Stephon Diggs, but he's past Hopkins for me. He, he's probably past guys like, uh, like Lockett, DK Metcalf, even. <laughs> Uh, like he is, he is being the focal point of a passing attack that has been nothing but incredibly efficient and they're going to him in the red zone. Like no other, I believe he leads the NFL in end zone targets and he's pushed Robert Woods to, as you said, who's being drafted as like a top 20 receiver. Now we're like, you can trust him as a almost wide receiver three. If you're going to be able to push, push Robert Woods to that fringe on an offense that has one of the best passing attacks in the league. And they're going to use you in the red zone. Like Cooper cup is. Like he's definitely, I mean, he's obviously wide receiver one. The thing is, is he a, a first round or a top 12 player for the rest of the season? He's close. I'm not putting him quite there yet, but it's still a, a like meteoric rise. Give me 10 plus targets every game this season. It's hard to, it's hard to question that at this point. He is the focal point. And Denny, between Debo and Mike Williams, who would you, if you were doing rest of season rankings, who would you rank higher between Debo and Mike Williams? And would it be in the top 12 at receiver? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going with Mike Williams over Debo there, um, just based on the hunch that the Niners will be a little more run heavy with Trey Lance. I think that takes away from some of the some of the volume that the pass catchers, including Debo, might see. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm not down on Debo by by any means. And I know Mike Williams had a really slow Monday night to the detriment of, of a couple. I'd of say, I mean, I may have turned off the game after the taunting penalty, but. Uh, I may have also heard Mike Williams had only one catch. Yeah, and it was, I became uh, a it's tough, tough action, tough yeah, action. Tough. Williams <laughs> chapters. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I think every, everything usage wise, it's off the charts for Williams. I know, you know, again, week four stunk, but I like Williams over Debo just a little bit. Yeah, but Debo, Trey Lance coming in is tough because Debo last year had like crazy like outlier usage in terms of like his average depth of target was 2.1. I mean, he was essentially not being targeted beyond the line of scrimmage. And he hasn't exactly become like Mr. Downfield this year, but his average depth of target right now, according to next-gen stats, is 7.7. So more than five yards greater than last year's number when the 49ers were running this totally collapsed horizontal attack. And now, like, the fear is definitely, like, does that come back for Debo without the more traditional pocket passer and Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, clearly the 49ers don't think – I mean, they're literally saying they don't think Trey Lance is ready. And I feel like you could see, like, Debo's dot just completely collapse again. And even though he's been so electric, I do agree. He deserves to be a riser, but that he is – he's, like, in a tier below Cooper Cup and Mike Williams. Kyle, the biggest fallers, some of the names you mentioned. Miles Sanders. I do want you to talk about Miles Sanders. Ronald Jones, Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore – basically anyone connected to the Jets. Robbie Anderson, who stabilized a little bit in week four, and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Let's talk about DeAndre first. I mean, 
Is what we're seeing real down? He's yet to have a hundred yard game. Hasn't had more than four catches since week one. I think a season high for yards is 83. And this is as the offense, you know, it's like really humming. Like the Cardinals offense is not struggling. Are, are we seeing DeAndre Hopkins fall out of the top 12 at receiver? Or is this just a freakish four game sample size? Uh, I mean, it could be a freakish four game sample size. He's a, a very good, uh, a very good player. He's been nothing but an incredible player throughout his career. But we're, you know, we're trying to chase the usage and the usage for him. You know, he's got what I believe 25 targets through four games. AJ Green is one target behind him. Chase Edmonds is just a few targets behind him. And then they're consistently targeting both Rondale and Christian Kirk. So if you're not going to get the dominant target volume or say like a, a massive red zone role, right? In the, in the red zone, he's also splitting work with AJ Green, who they refuse to stop throwing end zone fades to. Like uh, he's becoming more of, Sort of like what we thought of like Cooper Cup or Robert Woods last year. Highly involved piece of a passing attack we want. But Cooper Cup this year is the focal point of a passing attack we want. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I have him inside or outside the top 12. I, I think it'll end up being at the back end of 12 at best, though. And so I'm like Cooper Cup. I, I would take Cooper Cup over in the rest of the season. I mean, have you guys noticed anything physical with DeAndre? I feel like last season I started to see DeAndre Hopkins slow down. And it's just like the monstrous workload. He's played through so many injuries. here. I just don't know if I'm imagining this. Like, does anyone else feel like DeAndre Hopkins doesn't look like quite the same player? Or am I just projecting this on well, to disappointing stats? Yeah, I, I thought about what you uh, were saying on, I think, on, on the Sunday show when Kyle and I both said we've never seen DeAndre Hopkins play. But um, <laughs> I, I actually have seen him play. And, I, and and he, but he never, he never got by on, on like, no, like pure physical domination. Like, you know, he's never DK Metcalf or anything. So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough to say like if his route running has dropped off or, or what's happening there. I know that his rib injury was reportedly, you know, pretty bad, like yeah. not, not Gronk bad, but where every time we hear about Gronk, he's broken a new rib. So it's, it, the, but, it's the Drew Brees of 2021. Yeah. Getting a, our colleague Drew Brees getting <laughs> a new broken rib added to the count every week. All right. We're reminded of how many uh, ribs the human has yeah. uh, every time these guys, uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, so so that you know that that could be an issue here. I, I will say, you know, he got DeAndre Hopkins got pretty unlucky last week against LA. He led the Cardinals with 92 air yards. He was tied for the team lead in receiving yards. He led all Cardinals with seven targets. You know, those are not uh, unbelievable numbers. He came real close to a 30-some yard reception where Jalen Ramsey was somehow able to bat it away while it was bobbling around. Anyway. We, we wouldn't be talking in such negative terms about DeAndre Hopkins if, you know, those little things had come to fruition. I'm not ready to sound sound the alarm quite yet. I mean, I've been trying to – because I've really been, like, thinking about the physical thing, but I think it probably is still with DeAndre just a matter of the receiver core is deep enough now that Kyler no longer has to attempt those, like, super yeah. risky throws to DeAndre four to five times. And you usually came down with them. But, like, when your offense is running so pure – when you've got like a legit four wide receiver set, all of a sudden you've got an elite pass catching back and chase Simmons. You don't have to like force the issue so much. And maybe as the games get tighter, we get more into crunch time of the season. He's going to have to fall back on those habits of just forcing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. But yeah, he seems to be a victim of like one of the, for the first time in a long time playing us in a really deep offense and uh, just something to, he, he will probably stay established in the top 12 is my guess with DeAndre Hopkins. But that otherworldly volume for basically the first time in his career might not be there. Kyle, not otherworldly volume. Miles Sanders, 
two carries in week three, seven carries in week four, six catches in that time span. But Eagles don't care about establishing it. They don't have faith in Miles Sanders on the ground. How far have you faded Miles Sanders? And can he be trusted as a top 24 running back right now? Yeah, top 24 feels optimistic. Like maybe you group him in like he's he's in a tier that includes the 19th running back and the 28th running back because they're all kind of in this morass. But even then, I mean, it, it does feel optimistic to say 24. I think he's probably looking more like a, like a middle RB3, which is certainly not even at the discounted price that he kind of came towards the end of the summer. Still not where you're drafting him for. If it's going to be a team that, uh, at least in terms of the running backs, Jalen Hurts will probably skew their rushing numbers to make them look like a more balanced approach, even though technically they are attempting to pass on most of his runs. So even on a team that is trying to, uh, you know, trying to pass pretty or trying to, uh, you know, looks like they run pretty often, they're still not going to actually be going to Sanders because they're going to be splitting it between him and Kenneth Gainwell. On top of that, they have a quarterback who will, you know, make them look like they run more than they actually do. I it's the volume isn't there. He's not like hyper efficient. He's not going to be James White as a pass catcher. I just don't see what the allure is at this point. What are you gaining by playing him in your RB2 slot that you can't get by just like, you know, picking up any other pass catching back off the waiver wire? Uh, I want to quickly say that ESPN's Tim McManus said today, this morning, uh, Tuesday morning, that the Eagles' backfield is, quote, creeping closer to a timeshare. And will stay that way unless and until Miles Sanders starts busting loose. I I, I, I don't I don't know if that's going to happen when when Miles Sanders is seeing two carries in a game. Uh, I, I I think we are trending toward a situation where Kenneth Gainwell becomes the better fantasy back. Is is Gainwell going to out you know outrush Miles Sanders? Probably not. But he caught six of eight targets against Kansas City and was clearly the preferred passing down slash two-minute drill slash garbage time, you know, uh, uh, hair on fire catch-up mode back. And it, I I don't know. I think this Eagles team could could be in that position quite quite a bit this season, uh, making Gainwell probably in the long run more valuable in PPR formats than Miles Sanders. Well, so are we already there? I mean, in PPR, like like when you put like your feet to the fire, basically, are you, would you really rather have Ken, Kenneth Gainwell or Miles Sanders for week four? Cause like what like Kyle said, like, what can our belief, like where do we believe in Miles Sanders right now? Basically. And I, I feel like I'm already at the point in the rankings where I'm considering ranking right now. My very initial ranks, I think I have Miles Sanders like a spot or two higher, but I'm considering ranking Kenneth Gainwell higher this week. And yeah, yeah just, are we already there? Are we talking around what's like kind of like already obvious? Basically? I, 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 well, you know, they play the Panthers. The Eagles play the Panthers this week. Do we have any trust that the Eagles are going to be in a position with game script on their side where they can establish Sanders? No, I mean, I don't think anyone would say that. So I, yeah, I, I think, I think ranking Gainwell just slightly ahead of Sanders would be, would be justified. Kyle, yeah, I mean, they're they're four point dogs to the Panthers too. That is like a the Panthers are a good team, but like being four point dogs to uh you know to the Panthers, I, I think is a pretty singing indictment of their ability to establish the run. I, I think they're going to be a fine offense. Jalen Hurts looks well improved as a passer, but being uh, you know a fine offense that is always losing, it, it just won't do any good for Miles Sanders. And Kyle, anything to say about any of these other guys? Rojo, the Jets, Robbie Anderson. I mean, Robbie may be the most interesting because horrible usage weeks one to three. They said they had to get him more involved. He got 11 targets in week four, but it was without Christian McCaffrey. Do you think Robbie stabilizes at all? Or 
is he is his DJ Moore just too good at this point? And Robbie's a guy who's going to be just kind of permanently lower in the rankings. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm confident just saying DJ Moore is unquestionably this team's wide receiver one. Really should have been throughout his career, especially last year. I thought the way they used him was pretty suboptimal, just like pigeonholing him into a role that looked more fit for Robbie Anderson. Surprise, surprise, DJ Moore back in a more typical role for a player of DJ Moore's ilk. Uh, absolutely crushing. I mean, when, when Christian McCaffrey comes back, which I'm not exactly sure when that's going to be, there was the report that said that uh, he was going to return to practice this week, but it was actually Matt Rule saying he'll show up to practice and see how he feels football-wise. I, I it could that is not really the same as quote like returning to practice. I could return to Panthers practice. I don't live far. I assume I live, I live in the same city. I could return to practice and see how I feel football wise. So as long as is he's out, maybe that's when you salvage some decent Robbie Anderson weeks, as you alluded to, Pat. But no, DJ Moore, just a, a far superior talent. I think one of the better receivers in the NFL period uh, probably should just continue to run laps around the rest of the receivers and the pass catchers on this team. Yeah, Robbie's usage. I mean, he's a good overall receiver. His usage didn't really make that much sense last season yeah. to like make him like the underneath guy. I mean, his special skill is his deep speed. And maybe that's just because Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback. And since they knew Teddy, that wasn't really his game. They just like kind of temporarily made Robbie Anderson an underneath receiver, but that never really made sense. And it's almost just like he's reverting back to how he should have been used all along. And that if you draft drafted Robbie, hoping on last year's role. Uh, probably time to give up the ghost on that. Uh, we'll be right back to finish out our adjusting the ranks segment. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The NFL season is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app has you covered with Sunday Night 7. Predict what will happen on Sunday night for a chance to win up to $100,000 every week. It is free and easy to play. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com predictor. Kyle, last thing you had, to, I think you might need to explain this to me. Did you re-ranked the first round, I take it? Yeah, I mean, it's just the top 12 uh, rest of season rankings, but, you know, you could, you could frame it as the, the new first round if you were drafting. The new first round. Well, take us through the new first round. Uh, yeah, the I'm waiting. The first round. Uh, yeah, I'm not even, uh, not even done with the, these yet, obviously. You should be able to find them on the site uh, later today if you're hearing this on, what, what today say, Tuesday. So they should be up Tuesday evening. I'm wavering on what to do with Christian McCaffrey because despite Derrick Henry's massive usage, Christian McCaffrey's usage as a receiver, which is, obviously immense we saw no change through the first few games he played 
uh, Christian McCaffrey on that volume, seeing, you know, still like 20 carries a game plus the receiving usage is clearly the RB1 when healthy. I'm just a a slight bit worried with the injury concerns last year. Now we have more injury concerns. And like I said, the return to practice feels a bit, uh, I don't want to say disingenuous, but it's maybe misleading. So I I haven't projected to miss like about one and a half more games. That comes out to like 10% of the remaining games of the season. At that point, if you're getting, you know, 90% of CMC's games going forward, I'm wavering on maybe Derrick Henry being the number one player in fantasy going forward. Once Christian McCaffrey returns, I will flip that. I'll have no problem flipping it. But if you get if you get two more games out of Derrick Henry and he's not getting absolutely boat raced by McCaffrey anymore because he's getting so many carries and now he's averaging three and a half uh, receptions per game, that is like two more than Derrick Henry has ever averaged. I, I, I'm like 50-50 on which one, uh, which one I'm going with as the one. And then Tyreek Hill, top three, feels just so obvious. His air yard share is up like 8% last, versus last year. Target share is up like 5%. And it's working. Like, there's no reason to go away from what they're doing with Tyreek Hill. So maybe always should have been because this was the potential. But he looks just like uh, like he could be setting just crushing records this year. So we've had the numbers, guys. I've had to admit that Derrick Henry's, in fact, good at the game, um, good at the football. And just re- re- you reshuffled first round. Stop me if I'm wrong. It's Derrick Henry. It's Dalvin Cook. I, I will stop you because as soon as I sent this to you, I'm like, no, no, no. I need to reshuffle this. Right, again. Read, read the 12 in order real quick. Yeah, this isn't uh, final. I Because I have Christian McCaffrey projected probably like one and a half games missed from here on out, I don't think he returns this week. The week after that looks a little more promising. I have it Derek Henry, Tyreek Hill, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Devontae, Saquon, Travis Kelsey. Then this morass of running backs, Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron. Uh, uh, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara. I really don't have any strong opinions on which one should come next. Then a bunch of receivers that push all the way into, I believe, wide receiver or uh, player 14, Diggs Cup, Justin Jefferson, DJ Moore. Another group of players where I think you could pretty much functionally argue any of them over each other. Maybe the, you know, some of the not surprising ones, but the big movers would be Saquon. I I could even see you having him as high as like top five top four even because he looks back to old Saquon. Like he's, he's seen, I think 13 targets over the past two games. They're using him on the bulk of the snaps again. Unlike the first few weeks, your only concern is that he just won't get into the end zone as much because his team isn't that good at scoring, but they're playing. Okay. You know, I think you could, I'll probably even move him up more after this because he's a player. He's one of three players. He's literally one of three players who can go out and see 30 plus touches back to back to back to back weeks. Denny, are you Saquon or Ezekiel Elliott rest of season for you? Who would you, if you were doing this, Kyle has them back to back essentially. Yeah. Who do you have, Saquon or Zeke? Saquon, uh, because he doesn't have to deal with his own Pollard. And uh, although, you know, the Cowboys being kind of weirdly run heavy is going to be good for Ezekiel Elliott and really bad potentially for CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, which doesn't upset me at all. I'm not mad. I'm laughing about it. <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> To have those guys on a lot of rosters. I, I will say that Derrick Henry is the number one. I, I agree with that, Kyle, and I'm a, I'm a absolutely triggered over it. I, I have a theory that the Titans uh, wanted to own the analytics nerds by getting him by getting Derrick Henry involved in the passing game finally. And and congratulations, you've you've triggered me. Yeah, Jeremy McNichols saw a bunch of targets last week too. So if if you were trying to uh, not have Derrick Henry as your uh, like top fantasy option going forward, that could potentially be one avenue. Which if he goes back to you know he only caught two, I believe he caught both of his targets in that game versus the Jets. If he goes back to that, 
then I'm perfectly comfortable even jumping someone like like Saquon over him because 30 carries is awesome. But you know what's even cooler? 20 carries and 10 targets. That's yeah. significantly better. Uh, I, I I tend to lean after a few weeks of Derrick Henry, who is a monster and you want to put him on corners, getting a good good share of the team's targets, a good amount of target volume. I tend to lean that the Jeremy Nichols thing last week was probably more of a product of the very strange Game environment versus the Jets, which you would think you should just be able to boat race the Jets with Derrick Henry, but that didn't happen. And then obviously missing your top two receivers and having no good wide receiver three options. So I'm still a little bit buying into Derrick Henry as like a three plus catch a game kind of guy. Even last week didn't quite show that. Dan, are we comfortable with Alvin Kamara in the top five? Um, 20 carries three times in four games, but the targets are way down. If, if you're redoing your first round, you still have Alvin Kamara as the top five running back. No way. No, not even close. Like I, I almost don't have him in the first round. Yeah, it's 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 not even. Yeah, not not in the realm of where he was drafted. If you if you drafted him, I mean, he's probably not going to lose your your league for you. But mm-hmm. he is absolutely not going to win your league. Man, that's that's tough scenes. That's tough to hear. I mean, I didn't. Don't get me wrong. I didn't draft him anywhere because I was worried about him. But uh, still tough to hear. Uh, for the many, many people who did, but we've adjusted the ranks. We have any final adjustment thoughts or are we we ready to put a bow on the show folks? Uh, I would just adjust Damian Williams to RB one overall. I'm kidding. uh, Well, well, ahead of Cordero Patterson. We're very, we're excited uh, over in uh, Damian Williams, truth or land. Uh, It is the the season. uh, By the way, Kyle has a Cordero ranked as both a top 12 wide receiver and a top 12 running back in the rest of the season. And a top top 20 quarterback. It's incredible. No one one has ever seen this. The media won't talk about this, (laughs) as you're saying. And uh, But yeah, check out all of Kyle's rest of season rankings at NBC Sports Edge plus uh, our season pass tool. A lot of really great stuff in there. You get early week rankings on Tuesday morning for the week at hand. You have dynasty rankings going forward, top 200 basically any kind of rankings you could want. And to addition, just a lot of great article content. So please check out uh, NBC Sports Edge's season pass tool. That's all the time we have for today. We'll be back on Wednesday with the first of our two preview shows with Kyle, uh, Mr. John Daigle, and Pat Crane. Danny will join us on Thursday for the second show. Check out all of our amazing stuff on the site. Good luck in week five. For Denny, for Kyle, I'm Pat. We'll catch you later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.